From Destination Home Group of Long and Foster Real Estate, this is Spilling the Tea on the Real RE, where we give you, the listeners, the really real on all things real estate. I'm your host, Danielle Waldera, team leader of DHG. And I'm your co-host, buyer's agent specialist, James Dickerson. Listen, you've watched the TV shows, you've seen the YouTube channels, the fairy tales that people tell you about buying a house or investing in real estate, but that's not what we're here to do. Nope, we're pulling back the curtain, giving you the truth, and spilling the tea on the real RE. Hi, Danielle. Happy podcast day. Good morning. Good morning. Or whenever, whatever time you're listening to this podcast, it could be evening. Who knows? Who really does know? So today we are going to be talking about the truth about FOMO. And for some of you guys, if you've been living under a rock for like the last 10 years, Rude. FOMO, F-O-M-O, is a fear of missing out. So we're going to talk about the fear of missing out and how it relates to real estate and how it relates to your process as a buyer or even really a seller. Can I tell you secretly what my mind thinks of, which is completely inappropriate when you say the word FOMO? Sure. My mind thinks of FUPA, and I'm not going to say okay. what that stands okay. for. Okay. In okay. This I, that could have gone a lot of ways, but Danielle, doesn't and <laughs> I didn't know where it was going to go before you said it, and I was really hesitant to let you say it because then I'd have to edit it out later. I know. But that's not, that's, not, that's not as bad as <clears> it, <throat> it oh. could have been in my okay. mind. Okay, good. All right, so let's continue with FOMO, fear of missing out. Yes. Which most of the time plagues our buyer clients um, in many different ways, but basically it is the constant scrolling of Zillow and Realtor.com, you know, to the point where you can't get yourself to fall in love with anything because you are constantly worried that the one is going to be the one that comes up on the market tomorrow. It's going to be the one that comes on the market next week. And if you go under contract on the one you love this week, you might miss the one that you're supposed to have next week. Yeah, I think that, you know, this is this relates really well to another podcast episode that I don't even know at this point has been come out yet. But the the truth about your wish list, mm. um, we did an episode on that um, <clears throat> about the perfect house quote unquote right like this you have this laundry list of things that you're looking for and you saw a house in the your neighborhood sold in your price range in 2019 and that's the house and you need to find one exactly like that house and you know all of these ridiculous parameters that we put on ourselves when we're making this really big purchase and it's understandable right i mean you're about to make the largest purchase or one of the largest purchases of your lifetime. So it, it's understandable that you have some concerns about making sure that you get as much of what you want as possible, right? But the reality is you're not going to get absolutely everything that you want exactly the way that you want it when you purchase a home. There might be one or two exceptions to that. Maybe if you're constructing your own house, and you ha- you're getting your own builder to come out and build exactly what you want and write drawings. But even then, you're going to have to compromise when you go through the drawing process or when through you go through the selection process or materials. Regardless of how you purchase, there are compromises that will be made because property is scarce, money is scarce, and 
you have to make compromises to find to, to, to make the right decision. And what if you applied FOMO to like other areas of your life, right? So I feel like people who generally have FOMO have commitment issues in other areas. So like what if you applied FOMO to like the dating process, right? And you were dating and you were really vibing with this person, but you were like, nah, like the next one could be better. Like you would never have that experience of being in love and whatever. It's the whole like better to be loved than never to be loved at all sort of thing. That's kind of how I feel about it. Um, I actually had. I don't, I don't think that's the quote. It's not? What I'm is not, it? I don't know what it is, but I just know it's not that. It's something like that. Um, I had a client call me one time. Here's a scenario. Okay. It was like super meant to be. We had made an offer on this house in a very competitive market. This was about a year ago. So the market was very competitive. Our offer was good. Um, the best that she could do, basically. So we lost. We lost the offer. We lost the house. She was upset about it. The house comes back on the market mm, two-ish weeks later, and the agent calls me first and is like, hey, we're about to go back on. Is your client still out there? Are you guys still looking? I'm like, hell yes. Hold on. Let me call her. So I call her, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is meant to be, right? Like, it came back to us. What's that quote? <laughs> What's that quote? If it, like, let it go, and if it comes back, it's meant to be? Okay, like we're you doing just quotes keep bringing today. up quotes that you don't know. I think it's I think the, the love quote is it's better to have loved and lost oh, yeah. than never to have loved at all. You're right. Okay. All right. Okay. That makes me feel better. Okay. Because <laughs> I said you're right. If you or love <laughs> something, set it free. If it if comes it com- back, it's meant, it's meant, to, meant be. to be. Oh yeah. my right. gosh. I'm, you're welcome it. for solving <clears throat> all your quotes. That's the one. So anywho, so I misquoted her when we were talking and said something similar to that, right? So we got excited. She was like, okay, let's write the offer. She was a little nervous, but, you know, wrote the offer. We get the house, right? The day after we went under contract on this house that clearly was meant to be, it came back to her. Another house comes on the market. She sends it to me and says, Danielle, this house has everything I'm looking for. And I called her and I was like, girl, what are we doing? We are under contract on the house of your dreams. What are we doing right now? She was like, but I like this one. I said, okay, well, this is precisely what your earnest money deposit is for, to prevent people from having a change of heart. That is exactly the reason for it. And I love my people to the end of the moon but I will not lie for anyone. So I said, if you want to remove yourself and go look at this other house and go make an offer on another house, you're going to lose your EMD. That's what it's for. So anyways, we got through it, and she ended up falling in love again with the house. We stayed under contract. We settled. She changed the kitchen. She updated it a little bit. She's in love with it. It's just literally the day after going under contract, she sends me this house and is like, I want this one. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's that's a reality. Right. And I I struggle with that because there are scenarios sometimes where especially when it's been a really difficult time for a buyer, I want to prevent them from looking again. So sometimes like, you know, we have those automatic emails set up and, you know, sometimes I turn those off. But then we always run the risk of, you know, what if something does come up on the inspection and we don't want to move forward and we missed out on a property in our search because we turned off that search tool because we were under contract because, you know, nothing's done until it's done. Right. 
I think at the end of the day, though, I'm so like, I you know I you know how I'm about buying on emotion, and I'm just so obsessed with that like allow yourself to fall in love even if it doesn't work out even if the septic system fails and the whole house comes crumbling down that's okay you know that's okay you did the best you could you were in love you made the best offer we did the best damn thing we could and it wasn't meant to be and we're gonna go find you the one that's meant for you yeah look when you're buying a house there's gonna be compromise you're going to have to make the best decision for you and your family. But there, there, there will always be another house. Like, if we're just constantly thinking to ourselves, what about the next house? What about the next one? What about the next one? Then we'll never make a decision because we'll be constantly thinking about what might be around the corner. And let me tell you what is around the corner. Higher home prices. Mm-hmm. Because the longer you wait, the more you pass on a property, pass on a property, pass on a property, the longer property appreciates. And the more, I mean, there are buyers out there that we've worked with that have taken years to make a purchase. We've worked with them. We've shown them property over the course of two or three years and they still haven't made a purchase, mostly because they haven't found everything that they want in one property. We're not going to get everything that you want every single time, right? Just like Danielle's example, there are going to be things that you're going to want to improve over time. That's part of homeownership, right? Like we're not buying the kitchen today of our dreams necessarily all the time. Sometimes we're buying the kitchen that could be our dream kitchen four or five years from now when we're ready to make that renovation. I also do think that you can truly fall in love more than once, right? So I think that you can you know, love the house you're in, right? You love the house you're in, but for certain circumstances, for work, for downsizing, whatever it is, you need to move on. That doesn't mean you can never fall in love again, right? What's like, how many, what's the average time that Americans get married these days? I don't know, two, three times in your lifetime. I don't know what it is, but obviously people are capable of falling in love multiple times in their lifetime. And I think that's possible in the housing industry as well. Just because you loved something and you either moved out of it for certain circumstances or you didn't get it for other circumstances doesn't mean you can't love again. Danielle and I have a very different opinion on the emotional attachment to property. I caution my buyers about falling in love until we've gone through inspections. Not me. Danielle's quite the opposite. She wants you to fall in love before you go to inspections Mm -hmm. uh, because then the the inspections hurt a little less. Um, However, um, I've seen some buyers go through some pretty difficult heartbreak that really sets them back. You know, it really puts them back in their home purchase journey because they have to recover. They have to mourn, for lack of a better term, right. the loss of that property or the loss of that offer or the negative outcome inspection, which causes them to avoid their contract. You know, they're taking a week or two or sometimes more off from their home search just because they're devastated about their loss of that property. And I try to avoid that by not letting them get too emotionally attached until we know it's going to work out. Um, but anything can happen. You know, we could be three days before settlement and something goes wrong. You know, we, we don't know until, until we're at that table and we're signing those papers. It's hard to watch. The process in general is just stressful. There's no way around it. Home buying and selling is a stressful process. We try to mitigate as much as that as humanly possible for you. But at the end of the day, we're not moving all your boxes for you and you know, changing all your bills, addresses for you. It's just a stressful process. So 
those, um, you know, endorphins get heightened in the process. So if something does happen, I do feel like it is of catastrophic emotional, you know, event because everything is so heightened during this process. Um, but FOMO doesn't necessarily even just apply to buyers, although primarily it does. But James, do you want to kind of talk about how it could apply to sellers as well? Yes, I do want to talk about that. However, I just want to wrap up buyers real okay. quick. I think that Danielle's analogy, metaphor to dating is a good one. Just because you meet somebody who looks better or has a better job or might be slightly funnier than your partner, does that make you love your partner or, or be less content with your partner or make you love your partner less? The answer to that is not really. You know, once, once you've... Once you've built that relationship, once you've found the person that you want to be with and you've decided that you want to be with that person, there's nothing nothing that's going to make you love them less about someone else, right? The same thing with your house. Once you've found a house that's going to make your family happy, that's going to meet your needs, that you like and enjoy and can see yourself living in for five years, just because another house comes on the market does not mean that that house is less desirable to you, the one that you've already decided to purchase. You know, you're not going to be in your house loving everything about it. And then the house three doors down goes for sale and you're like, oh, that one's kitchen's nicer. I should have waited and bought that one. No, you already love your house. You're happy where you are. You know, you're not going to be devastated that a nicer house came on the market three months later. And the reality is, especially in situations like Danielle's example, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win that house either. So we might just sit around waiting for the right house, pass on a house that you could have bought, could have gotten gotten the contract for, could have won the negotiations with to get the quote unquote nicer house. And then you lose the offer anyway. You know, you get bit outbid by somebody else on that on that house. And now what we have no we have no house at all. Grandma always told me. The grass ain't always greener on the other side. It just looks greener because there's more shit in it. I agree. I agree with Grandma. Grandma's from New York. She said it. She was like, the grass ain't always greener. So on to our sellers. And I have a great example for this one. Um, it just happened recently to one of my clients. When you're a seller and you're on the market and you're getting offers, sometimes you get FOMO about what the next offer might be. If I just wait, what is the next person going to offer? And that's a really dangerous problem. It's a really dangerous thought process because especially in a seller seller situation, especially with your property on the market, there's no guarantee of the next offer. There's no guarantee that there's going to be another buyer who wants to buy your house. Is the likelihood is that there will be one eventually? Yeah, obviously. However, the longer your property sits on the market, the more people feel like they can ask of you as the seller, the less they feel like they can offer you, the, the more they can expect you to contribute, the, you know, the more the inspections they're willing to request. The longer you wait, the more power the buyer receives in the negotiation process because they know, as a seller, you want to sell your house, and if you're sitting on the market, you're getting a little more desperate every day that goes by. And I think you need to ask yourself as well, if you are getting one or even two offers that you're not super happy with, you need to ask yourself why. 
because your house is only worth as much as someone is willing to pay for it. It Agreed. doesn't matter what the appraisal says. It doesn't matter what your realtor said it was worth. None of that really matters. All that matters is a buyer's perspective and what someone's willing to pay for it. So if you get one or two offers that are lower than what you're looking for, lower than what you think your house is worth, that might be a wake-up call in time for reevaluation of what you're, what someone's willing to pay for your house compared to what it's worth on paper. And I think, you know, that's really what appraisers are trying to capture in an appraisal, right? Their thought process is, is what is a reasonable person willing to pay for this property in the current market? That's what an appraisal is attempting to estimate, what a reasonable person is willing to pay. So if you're in a situation where you're, you've accepted an offer and your house doesn't appraise, you know, that's a red flag to you as a seller, one. But two, you know, if you decide not to lower your price to the appraised value because you think that you can get somebody to pay you more than the appraisal in cash, what reasonable person is willing to do that, right? I mean, there are scenarios when we're trying to win a contract, we might offer to pay over appraised value, you know, if, we're, if that is the house for our buyer. But it's not reasonable to expect that. There are also rare occasions where your appraiser just showed up on crack that day and we have to fight, you know, yes. a, an invalid appraisal. Yes. There are and definitely that happens. Th that does happen. And, and we just have to. We just have to you need to take the lead from your real estate agent right. on that one. You know, we, we have a pulse on what the market conditions are. We're not appraisers by any means. Um, but we have a pulse on what your value should be, at least a rough estimate. And if we're way off, you know, like Danielle said, we'll go to fight. We'll go to we'll fight that with you. However, this is the example I can give you. My clients made a full price offer on a home with some seller concession because they needed it to get to the table. And the seller rejected it. Rejected it. When there were no other offers on the table. There and they've been zero, on the market a while. There was zero competition. They had been on the market for over 100 days. 100, over 100 days. Over 100 days. It was a very reasonable offer. I mean, it was list price. Mm -hmm. It was list price. Yeah, we needed some seller's assistance. Yeah, we wanted to do inspections. It was a pretty, in a normal market, average. I mean, it was not an, it was not an unreasonable offer. No. And they just rejected it. Mm -hmm. They have no other offers on the property. They're still just on the market. The seller They just, are? Have you checked yes, it? Yes, of oh course I have. Oh, my gosh. Uh, they are just sitting on the market. Mm -hmm. That is a, like, a, such a dangerous thought process as a seller. Yes. Like, yes, it is. That is FOMO. That's selling. In my mind, That when, when you said that FOMO really only affects buyers earlier... In my mind, I was like, no, no, like sellers get FOMO too. Like that is what I mean by FOMO for sellers. You're thinking that another better offer is going to come along. We got to work with what we got. Now yeah. we can try and negotiate about it. And if the offer's garbage, obviously we're not going to, we're not going to pursue a garbage offer. But if we have a reasonable offer on the table that we can negotiate with and try and find a happy medium between the two, why on earth would you just reject that? And I think they wanted you to remove the inspections of and do. remove the um, Don't seller, get too detailed. seller concessions. <laughs> and it was like there was no competition, right? Like, what else do you have in front of yeah. you? Yeah, what are we? What are we competing against? Right, crazy. Me and nothing. Like that's what it was. Anyway, wasn't meant to be. The point is, FOMO is a dangerous thought. There's no guarantees in real estate. There's no guarantees in life, really, right? We never know what's around the corner. So passing on something because we might get something better, you know, 
I'm not saying settle for something you don't want. I'm not saying take a garbage offer for the sale of your home. Neither of those things make any sense. What I am saying is, is that if you get something reasonable, if you find a house that meets all your needs that you can be happy with, don't miss the opportunity to have success in home ownership or home sales to spite yourself for potential for more success. Because you're stuck in your own head. You're yep. in your own way. Yep, exactly. Get out of your own way, which is why you have us, to help you pick yourself up and remove yourself from your own way so that we can try to make things more reasonable, you know, let you see the light, run the numbers for you and let you see, really, come on, what are you really losing here? Probably nothing. Probably not a lot at all, you know? It's just a very emotional process for sellers. It's their home. It's the place they raise their family, you know, all that good stuff. Maybe the first home they bought with their significant other. These houses are emotional, and it gets emotional. But that's why you have us. Because good, bad, or otherwise, we are not emotionally attached to your home. So we may be emotionally attached to you. We love you. We want to see you get the best you can, but we're not emotionally attached to the house itself, which is why you have us to kind of, like I said, pick you up and remove you from your own way so that you can see the light. Well, I think that's all I have to say about FOMO. What about you? Agreed. All right, guys. Well, we will talk to you next week. Love you, Missy Mean It. Bye. Bye.